Hey guys, my name's Scott Niemeyer and I'm the lead pastor here at High Point Church. I wanna welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you are inspired and encouraged by the word today. Let's jump in and let's get started. Morning everybody, how's everybody doing today? Y'all excited to be at church? Okay, so I, my name is Pastor Kelly. I think Scott had mentioned us a second ago. We have the honor and privilege of leading here, but I need a little bit of help this morning. Like I need, I need some talk back. So I know you're getting it. So um, there's this word called amen. And actually, thank you. All that really means is I agree. So um, give me a shout back if something means something to you or, um, you know, if you don't agree, don't say amen. But if you do say amen, can we practice? Amen. Yeah, that was good, you guys. All right. Well, I'm so honored to be here today and to stand up before you. I'm just going to warn you right now that um, my iPad is on low. So it's on 11%. If it goes out, then I'm just going to preach from my heart. Okay, everybody? So hopefully it'll make sense. And But, you know, I, I love this series because it's, it's called Ghost Town. And, um, you know, Ghost Town, it's a message. We're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And I feel like as Christians, as believers, we all know God the Father, God the Son, but God the Holy Spirit, you know, in fact, there's a book that's been written about the Holy Spirit. I love it. Robert, Pastor Robert Morris wrote a book called The God We Never Knew. And I love the title of it because that seems to be the God, the Godhead, the part of the Godhead that we don't really know well. Yet, it's the one part of God that transforms our lives and brings about joy and healing and restoration and life eternal. Amen. So as we should never just stop at salvation, like no God. Yes, our, our core value, I mean, our mission statement here is for every person to be able to know God, for the lost to be found, okay, to know God, to find freedom, for the found to be free, to discover purpose, for the free to be discipled, and to... Um, Make a difference, excuse me, I'm getting the two mixed up. And to go out and make a difference. So we discover our purpose so we can make a difference. So the whole, so the, so that the, fa- the free will be, the disciple will be mobilized. So that's our mission statement here. And the reason why is because it should never just stop at salvation. Like God has a mission and a purpose for us. And it doesn't mean that you need to quit your job and go into full-time ministry. For some of you, yes, we, we need that. But for most of you, it's to be a light right where you are in your world. So we shouldn't just stop at salvation. Like it's more, a relationship with Jesus is more than just a ticket to heaven. So this morning, I want to really encourage you and inspire you to dig deeper into your relationship with the Holy Spirit and the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our life. So I hope that's my prayer for you this morning. So um, let's just open up with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I just pray that every word that, you speak through me, Lord, will we'll go into their hearts and move everybody, Lord, to just be inspired, Lord, to know you more on a deeper level. Holy Spirit, we invite you here today. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you'll pour out on everyone, Lord, that we will receive what you want us to know this morning. Lord, don't let us leave here the same. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen. Good, y'all are doing good. That's a little test right there. So the Holy Spirit, so I'm gonna read this scripture, but before I do, I love the picture that Pastor Scott painted for us last week. And, you know, when you think of ghost town in 
in the world's terms, it's like you think, of, I think of abandon, like there's no one there, no life, dead, broken. I think of the broken shingles, right? Um, cobwebs. I, I get this picture in my mind of, I think there's a song written about it, the old Route 66. Remember that? How many, how many uh, young ones have seen um, cars? Thank you. Yeah. It's like, it used to be a way that everybody went, but then they built the highway and there's this ghost town now. Well, in the turn, you know, the upside down world is the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God is just God's way of doing things and everything's kind of flipped upside down. So when we talk about ghost town, we think of the Holy Ghost, amen? And the Holy Ghost brings life, just the opposite, brings restoration. It brings forgiveness, healing, and comfort. Most of all, comfort. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's our comforter. I love the illustration that Pastor Robert Morris uses in his book, uh, The God We Never Knew. He said, because I do this to Scott too, we just got a brand new comforter. I mean, I've read the book and I still did it to him. We got a brand new comforter and it's a comforter that I've been wanting for a long time. Like it's, it was expensive. I had to save up my allowance to get it. Just kidding. (laughs) I give Pastor Scott an allowance, right? No. Um, But... (laughs) I had to, I mean, like I had to say for it, it was an expensive comforter. This is not a comforter I got when I was a newlywed, okay? And this comforter goes on our bed and then at night, it gets folded all the way back. Like it, I, if it was up to me, we'd take it off the bed and fold it up and put it on the chair, okay? And underneath it, we've got another like heavy blanket that keeps us warm and everything. And so the first night I put this comforter on the bed, man, Pastor Scott, I mean, I'm like, I, I like make the bed and it's beautiful. And he just plops right on top of it to watch TV. I'm like, what are you doing? This is expensive. Like, do you know how expensive this was? Like, I don't know what in the world you do. He's like, it's comfortable. Like it's a da- like real down comforter. It's like puffy. But then when he sat on it, like it, it made it flat and dirty. And I'm like, get off the comforter. So now, you know what he does? He puts a blanket on top of it. I'm like, what are you doing? Like fold it down, take it off the bed and then sit in the bed. And, and he's like, what's the point if I can't use the comforter? And I think that's what we do with the Holy Spirit. Like he's just for looks in our life. That's where you say amen. Just kidding. <laughs> and mm, we'll be good. But it's true. I do it too. Like the comforter is there to comfort us. We have to activate the comforter, the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's already there. The Bible calls him a gift, but we have to unwrap the gift to put it to use, right? He's a free gift, but we have to unwrap it and apply it to our life. Otherwise, guess what? We are saved without transformation. How many of you know people that are saved and you're like, they are the rudest person I know. I think Christians are the rudest people I've ever met. Amen, somebody? I'm like, what in the world? What is, go- what is going on? I have to figure out this connection. And I realize that the connection is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one that transforms our minds and our attitudes and our thoughts and produces this fruit in our life, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you're lacking that fruit in your life, you've got to go to the root and you have to say, what's going on? And you realize, I know for me, myself, when I start slacking away from that fruit, 
I'm not going to make that fruit my goal. Well, let me go study patience. No, if you pray for patience, guess what happens? You get stuck in a traffic behind a wreck and you're five hours late to work. Don't be praying for patience. <laughs> but what you do is you, you activate the Holy Spirit in your life by fellowship with him, by loving him, by spending time with him. What does that look like, Pastor Kelly? I, I've given you my testimony. There was a time in my life where I'm like, I am miserable. Like, I love Jesus. I love, I love my husband. I love my family. But I don't like church. I don't like anything. Christians are hypocrites. They're rude. They're mean. Like, I thought it was all about, like, the body of Christ. I'm like, Jesus, your body sucks. I just, can I say that on stage? Yes, but hold on. But I realized that it wasn't the body of Christ. It was me. It was my heart and my attitude and my thoughts. They weren't being renewed. They were carnal. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little deep this morning, but I want you to stay with me. I'm trying to make it very practical because this set me free, this teaching. Okay, have you ever heard of whenever you, whenever you get saved and you give your heart to Jesus, there, you become a spiritual man. The Bible says we're, we're made new, right? So you're, you're a spiritual man. There's a spiritual man. Then there's a natural man. That's the person who doesn't know Jesus. Okay, they, they, I, I think it's so funny when people get mad at unbelievers because I'm like, they're not believers, they don't know. Why are you getting mad at them? They have no knowledge of the way we're supposed to live. Why don't you love them into the kingdom, right? But that's the natural man, the man that doesn't know God. Then again, the spiritual man, the person that gave their heart to Jesus that knows God. And when you, when you invite Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Okay, so that's the... Spirit man, but then there's the carnal man. Have you heard it in the Bible where he talks about the carnal man, the carnal mind? Do you know what that word carnal comes from? Carn means mixed with. Have you ever heard of chili con carne? Mm, best food at the Houston rodeo. In the, in the, you can get, you can get fr- homemade fries with chili and cheese. And the chili is chili con carne which is chili mixed with meat. That's what chili con carne is. The carnal man is the spiritual man mixed with the world. And it was never meant to be that way. Doesn't say perfection. God doesn't call us to be perfect. He says, separate yourself, pick out all that meat out of that chili, (laughs) separate yourself, come out from among them and be separate, wise, not perfect, separate. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in when we activate him in our life. Spending time with him is what causes that fruit in our life. Does that make sense? So today, the big idea today is for me to explain to you the role of the Holy Spirit and then to inspire you to activate the Holy Spirit in your life. That word activate, I think of activation um, and think of the Holy Spirit as a gift. So um, I gave, we gave our daughter a gift card for her birthday. She just turned 26, March the 4th. Am I old enough to have a 26-year-old? March 5th, sorry. Siobhan's birthday's March 4th. No, Heather's birthday's March 4th. Y'all, my birthday, I, I, sorry. Somebody's birthday's March 4th. <laughs> Heather's birthday, no, Sonia's birthday's March 4th. Okay, I'll stay away from details. Y'all, I'm literally naming out everybody in my small group. Okay, our daughter, I know your birthday, I promise Zoe, is March 5th. She turned 26. We gave her a gift card. And yeah, have you ever bought a gift card and you're like, what if they're, you, you ask the, the uh, lady at the register, the man at the register, are you activating that? 
Like how embarrassing you give a gift card to someone and then it's worth nothing because it hasn't been activated. So always get the little receipt. Do y'all, am I the only one that does that? Well, um, we gave Zoe this gift card and um, I just trust they activate it because most people aren't going to tell you, but my daughter's going to tell me. She's like, mom, this gift card has nothing on it. It doesn't work. And I said, well, did you call the number to make sure? Yes, I called. It says zero balance. And I'm like, I paid $100 for that gift card. Of course, I have, my, I have my receipt and I can go back and make sure that so, but my whole point is it was never activated. That gift card is doing no good in her life because it's not activated. Or how many of you ever gotten your little debit card in the mail, but it says before you use it, you got to activate it, right? You got to call that little number or go online. Are y'all following me here? So even though the Holy Spirit's a gift, it's up to us to activate him in our life. We have to make that point to spend time with him. Amen. He does the rest. We just have to fellowship with him. So I want to I want to read that here because it's so good. Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen says, "May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all." So here we see the Godhead, the Trinity: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They all play a role in our life. Number one, we need the grace of Jesus. So leave that script. Well, I guess we have the points up. We need the grace of Jesus in that scripture. The grace of Jesus brings salvation, okay? Salvation is a gift. There's, you know, when I found this out that Christianity, I used to think Christianity was um, based on behavior, right? I, if, I, if I give my heart to Jesus, I, I have to follow all these rules. I'm gonna have to give up this and this and this and this. And it's really not about that at all. It's salvation is a gift. In fact, we see in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, I love this scripture, I wanna read it to you. God saved you by his grace when you believed. All you had to do is believe. There's another scripture that says, those that call the name of the Lord will be saved. Just believe. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. For we are part, for we are God's masterpiece. I want you to look at your neighbor, especially if it's your husband or wife, and say, I'm a masterpiece. Now, if you're not married to him, don't say it. But, <laughs> but we are God's masterpiece. And then it goes on to say, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we are saved by grace, but we're saved for a purpose. You understand? And our purpose, like we don't wanna stay the same, our purpose is to love people into the kingdom. Like when I leave this planet earth, y'all know this world's not our home, right? We're all, our, our home is heaven. So when we leave this earth, you should take, your goal should be to take as many people with you because we can't take things. I've literally heard Pastor Scott say this at funerals and I don't know why it makes me laugh. Not a good time to laugh at a funeral. But he says, you know, when you don't, you, I've never seen a hearse with connected to a U-Haul or a trailer pulling everybody's stuff, pulling their stuff with them. If you've been to a funeral where they put the body in the ground and started burying their stuff with them, I've never seen that happen. Have you? Y'all, y'all are really serious this morning. <laughs> right, okay, I'm going to tell you this one joke I heard at a funeral. Totally getting off my notes. So there's this joke where this um, 
this man told his wife on his deathbed, he's like, when I die, I want you to put all my money in this casket with me. Our, our kids are mean. We're not giving it to anybody. I'm not even giving you anything. You have plenty on your own. You put all my money in my casket with me. And she said, I will, I will obey. I will do it. She was a good woman. She was always true to her word. So she knew, he knew she would be faithful to that word. So when, when he died, she was at the funeral home. When everybody comes to the, to the viewing and she wrote out a check for the amount of the balance and <laughs> put that check in the casket. You can't, we can't take it with us. We can't take it with us. So our goal should be to take as many people with us. We can take souls with us. Amen. So we need the grace of God. For, and the reason why we need the grace of God is for salvation. We can't do anything. That, that brought me peace to know that I can't do anything that's going to make God change his mind about me. Like that has brought me so much peace. But the next part of that scripture says we need the love of God. We need God's love. Why do we need God's love? God's love brings endurance. Knowing that God loves me unconditionally helps me endure when times get hard. And you know, there's a scripture that says he endures to the end will be saved. But it's God's love that brings endurance. Romans 8, 38 through 39, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. We need God's love. Knowing that you can go through your darkest of days and if you know that God loves you and that there's nothing you can do to make him love you more and there's nothing you can do to make him love you less will bring you peace of mind and freedom and that'll help you get through those days. But we also need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I love that that scripture says that. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What is fellowship? Fellowship is is um, enjoying someone's presence, getting to know them. Um, I, Scott and I are not gonna have a relationship if we don't spend time together. We make it a point to fellowship with one another, to get to know each other. And that's what fellowship is. It's knowing and spending time and falling in love with the Holy Spirit. And the reason why fellowship with the Holy Spirit is so important is because like I said before, only the Holy Spirit brings transformation. In our hearts. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All the time I'm asked, I'm not, I'm not only a pastor, but I'm also a teacher of high schoolers, and I get this question asked all the time. How do you know God's perfect will for your life? What if I marry the wrong person? What if I take the wrong job? What if I do this? What if I do this? Let me just set you at ease. He doesn't care what you do. Like you, you're free to choose. He will bless you no matter what you choose to do. He will bless you. All he cares about is that you are complete 100% in fellowship with him. Seek first the kingdom and all these things are added. Amen. And it says it right there that you will know God's perfect You'll be in God's perfect and pleasing will by letting the Holy Spirit transform your mind. Isn't that good? 
Ephesians 4, 21 through 24 says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former, former way of life. Like, don't be okay with the way that you were living before you gave your heart to Jesus. It says it's corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. I love how Jesus or how God in the word did not stop at thoughts. It's thoughts and attitudes. So the spirit renews our thoughts and attitudes. And then verse 24 says, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So that word righteous, again, righteous and holy does not mean perfection. Like I thought it did. And I'm like, I could, I, this is not a life for me. I can never be perfect. I can't be righteous and holy. I can't be perfect. Because just when I set out to do that, I do just the opposite. And then I read a scripture in the New Testament written by Paul, who is the author of uh, two-thirds of the New Testament. And he at once was a Christian martyr. Like he would kill Christians. He hated them. And he had an encounter with God. And God completely transformed his life. Even changed his name. And he, Paul said, just when I say not to sin, then I just do it. So if I don't think about sin, then I won't want to do it. But if you tell me not to do it, then I'm going to do it. Did y'all know that's in the Bible? It's there, I promise. And so what, what, is the, what is the key to stopping this cycle? The key is just a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. When you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, he'll take care of those things, Right? He'll change those desires. It's so good. This is a good message here. So the big idea, again, is to inform you of the role of the Holy Spirit and inspire you to activate his role in your life. It's not okay just to know. We've got to be doers of the word, right? So the Holy Spirit brings transformation by leading us to truth. I'm going to read this in just a second. Teaching us and reminding, him, reminding us of the truths in the word, the promises. Have you ever needed a promise for healing or you're, you're trying to help someone at your job or you're trying to minister to someone else or encourage someone? It says the Holy Spirit will bring those things to remembrance. There's so many wonderful things that the Holy Spirit does. He gives us a gift of peace for our hearts and minds. Did you know that anxiety is the number one? It used to be heart disease. Anxiety just bumped it after after quarantine, after 2020. Anxiety is the number one ailment right now. The most prescribed medication is for anxiety and depression. The Holy Spirit gives us the gift of peace for our hearts and minds. What's the first thing that happens during a panic attack? Your heart starts beating really fast. Then your mind starts going crazy, like I'm dying, I'm all these, I mean, it's a heart and mind thing. No wonder the enemy wants to keep us from this relationship and from acti- activating the Holy Spirit in our lives. What else does he do? He convicts us or awakens us to righteous. Righteousness just means right standing with God. Righteousness is not, is not anything based on what we do. It's what God gave us as a gift. The minute you accept Jesus in your heart, the Bible says you stand before him without a blemish. Why? Because when he sees you, he doesn't say, see all the sin on your life. He sees you, he sees Jesus, then he sees you. Because Jesus stood in our place. So we are automatically in right standing with him. Holy just means separate. 
That's our job. Remember the chili con carne? Our job is to be separate. That's good, isn't it? The role of the Holy Spirit was so important that Jesus himself told his disciples to wait, wait for him. He said, don't, don't leave. You know, so you remember, let me paint a little picture for you. So Jesus died on the cross three days. After three days, he rose from the dead. And the Bible says that he walked and appeared to his close followers for 40 days. He would just show up, like walk through a building and show up. It was crazy. And then after that 40th day, he's about to ascend into heaven. Like physically, he floats up to heaven. The disciples watch him. He told his disciples, go into all the world. I want you to preach the good news. So let's think about that for a minute. If, if, if the gospel was all about hellfire and damnation, does that sound good to you? The good news is that grace is a gift. Amen? Can't do anything. We don't deserve it. But we, what we can do is have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Receive the love, the grace, the love, and the fellowship. So he says, but before, so he said, go into all the world, preach the good news, and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what he said. So very important that you hear those things. So, but he said, but before you do that, because they literally, there's 12 of them plus more followers, they scattered to go preach about the good news. But he said, before you do that, I want you to be unified in prayer, stay together and wait for the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, that role, the role of the Holy Spirit was so important. So let's read about that in John. It starts in verse 14. I mean, John chapter 14, all the way to 16, but I'm just going to summarize some of the key verses, okay? So in John 14, starting in verse 15, it says, this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. This is in red letter in the Bible. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I love that Jesus talking and teaching about the role of the Holy Spirit, I love that he starts off that way. Because I always saw that scripture, this is very important, I always saw that scripture is this. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And so all I would do is try to be good. And I would look at, oh, oh I gotta do this. I mean, I, w- I would have fear. I saw <laughs> way back when, I'm gonna totally age myself, we saw a show called Left Behind. They made us watch it at our Christian school and I had nightmares for weeks that I was gonna, wasn't gonna make the rapture because I wasn't good enough. So I was trying to be good. And I was missing the whole point that this is what Jesus was saying. If you love me, you're gonna obey my commandments like automatically. You don't have to make that your goal. Just fall in love with me. How do I know? Because between chapters 14 and 17, it's all about remain in me and I'll remain, remain in my love, remain in my love, remain in my love. That's what he says. So if you love me, you're gonna automatically keep my commandments. So don't worry about all the rules is what he telling, he's telling his disciples and us. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. That word advocate means he's gonna stand up for us. Isn't that, isn't that refreshing? That the part of God that's gonna stand up for you? And it says, who will never leave you. What does never mean? Does it say, based on your behavior, he might leave you, he might not, depends on if grace runs out. Does it say that? What does it say? He will what? Never leave you. 
He will never leave you. Verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. That was his, his first role. He will lead you to truth. There's so much out there right now. It's hard to know what to believe. There's so many conspiracy theories. There's so many things floating around. All you have to do is go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, guide me into truth. Let me know what your word is. That, that's why the Bible is so important to read. I read the daily Bible. Why? Because you go to today's date, it's a, little bit of the, the, it's a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New, a Psalm and a Proverb. So I'm not, I'm not searching for something to, to um, back up the way I believe. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, renew my mind every day and teach me something new that you want me to know. And then I'll open up the word and read it. I say this all the time and I will continue to say it. Beware, if you're, if you're a believer, beware Christians of taking a stance and then finding a scripture to back your stance up. Don't do it. Instead, every morning, because I, listen, I, I do that. I'm tempted to do that. And instead, to keep myself from doing it, I read the scripture and it's a Psalm that David wrote. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God. Know my anxious thoughts. If there's any deceptive way in me, remove it and lead me into the way everlasting. I pray it every morning. Then I open up the word and I read it. And that's the truth that the Holy Spirit gives me. And, and it's a daily Bible. If you stick to that plan, it takes 10 to 15 minutes a day. And I guard that time because I know when I've skipped that time, when I start falling off because of things, not just because I'm getting rebellious, but because our, we get busy or I sleep in or this person was sick or I needed to watch my grandbaby that morning and something took away that fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that quiet time, my time with Jesus, I call it my appointment with the King. I can tell when I've missed that. Why? Because I look at the fruit in my life and I'm lacking a little bit in patience, lacking a little bit in kindness, kind of getting an attitude, you see? So I go back to have, having fellowship with the Holy Spirit and he renews my mind. Then in verse, I love this, in verse um, 26, let's go to verse 26. It says, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. How many of you have ever told your kids, do I have to remind you all the time? The answer is yes, you do. <laughs> and that's what the Holy Spirit does for us, right? Verse 27, I'm living, leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Isn't that beautiful? And he says, so don't be troubled or afraid. It's not far after that. He goes into the, script, the verse, be anxious for nothing. Don't, be, don't have anxiety, but everything with prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to me. It's, it's so beautiful the way God designed it. And then skipping to John 16, verse five, he says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. He's telling his disciples this. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. So imagine this, disciples don't want him to go. He's like, I know you're grieving, but it's better for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. 
Verse nine, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. So the, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. That's the unbeliever of sin. So let me set you at peace. The Holy Spirit's role is not to convict the believer of sin. You've heard me say this again, so I will say it till we all understand it. That word convict means to convince you. And I don't know about you, but when I sin, I don't need to be convinced that I sinned. I know I sinned. I know I messed up. I know I did wrong. I know I'm a child of God and I shouldn't have done it. I don't need to be convinced that I sinned. So listen to what the Holy Spirit does to believers. He convicts, which is convinces, which is an awakening. He awakens us to righteousness. See the difference? So when you hear the voice, why did you do that? You're an idiot. You're never going to be good enough. You are not meant for this Christian life. That's the voice of the accuser, the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. And he always starts where? Right here in your mind. But Jesus says, I have come so that you'll have life eternally. Okay? The life-giving message. So when, as believers, when we do something we know we're not supposed to do, whether it's blatant sin or whether it's just something that's taken the place of God, which is basically idolatry. But in our eyes, it's not necessarily sin. You see what I mean? Anything like that, what does the Holy Spirit do? He goes, Parker, that's not you. That's not who you are. Come on. Wake up. I love that song we sang this morning. Awaken my soul. Come awake. Bring, there, there's a script from Revelation that says, and it's a letter to the church that says, man, you have fed the poor. You have opened your church to those that need you. You've been kind, but there's one thing that you lack. You lost your first love. Don't let us be that church. Every day, just pray, Holy Spirit, just, I want to fall in love with you more and more. Isn't that good? And when he wakes you of righteousness, just wake up. We're having this um, debate in, in our small group. If you're not in a small group, we need to get involved in one. I'm telling you. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. We sharpen each other. And we're talking about um, our guilty pleasures, okay? (laughs) Can I just be honest with you this morning? Mine is binge-watching Netflix, okay? You can laugh. If you don't laugh, then I'm going to feel condemned, okay? But what it's doing, I was telling my small group, what it's doing is it's causing anxiety in me because I just keep watching it and watching it, then I can't sleep, and then I'm thinking about the day, and then it's... It's not good when you have to wake up the next day, especially when you have to get up and preach and you, can't, you didn't sleep the night before. So that's not necessarily sin, but it's causing anxiety in my life. So it's like, why would I do that? But if I say I'm never going to watch Netflix again, guess what, what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch Netflix again <laughs> or binge watch. It's not watching Netflix. It's just that, you know what I'm saying? The too much of anything is not good. So what do I do? I'm going to turn towards the Holy Spirit and fellowship with him. I'm going to fall in love with him. I'm going to use that time more wise. Do you see what I'm saying? Am I making sense to you this morning? What you're battling may be different than me. But anything that's taken the place, the role of the Holy Spirit in your life is not good. Paul even says that that not everything is sin, but not everything is beneficial. So I start asking myself that, is this really benefiting me, you know? Does that mean I'm giving up Netflix? No, but I'm going to watch it at a different time. 
I'm not going to watch it at night anymore because I, I, I don't have self-control at night. It just goes to the next one. <laughs> and then I'm up all night. So good. There's another scripture in Romans that says he intercedes for us. But my point is, and I want to I close with this, is how do I know if the Holy Spirit is activated in my life? Like, I want you to do a heart check. I want you to, everybody say, check your fruit. The Bible says we'll know a tree by its fruit. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. A bad tree does not produce good fruit. So what, then what do we do? We go into our heart and say, Holy Spirit, change me from the inside out. We, I need you. Galatians 5, 16 says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. We have to take that step. That's how we activate him in our lives. We let him guide our life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. How many of you have been in that before? They're constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. I love that. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Here's the fruit. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. I can't believe quarreling and jealousy is right next to immorality. Like sin is sin to God. We, We tend to categorize sin, but it's the same to him. Outbursts of anger. Wait, what? That's in the same sentence? Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Look at verse 22. Let's finish that. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean? That means you'll never understand God's way of doing things. You'll never get that victory in your life. But again, don't look at those rules. Don't make it your goal not to have outbursts of anger. I'm going to anger management. Don't make it your goal not to go to wild parties. I'm telling you, you only have to do one thing. Fall in love with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship with him. You can try to change yourself. I promise you it won't work. You have to partner with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit renew your mind. Isn't that good? William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, which is crazy. We all know the Salvation Army. His ministry time was from 1878 to 1912. So he's been long gone, but his legacy is still here. The Salvation Army was formed to not just preach to people's souls and to save them, but also to feed them and put clothes on them, put shoes on their feet. He had a great ministry. And he said something that I will never forget. This is a quote from him. He said, I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century, which is the 20th century, we're here now, will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. That word regeneration just means transformation. 
okay? That means you're not the same person. Politics without God and heaven without hell. You think he was right? I wanna give you some next steps and I'm in this too. And I get emotional because if I just left you with this message and didn't tell you what to do, then what good is it gonna do? So there's some action steps that we need to take. In Acts 2, 37 through 38, Peter, Jesus is gone. Peter's preaching the gospel. The Bible says they added to the church daily by thousands. And what was he doing? He was preaching the good, the good news that we're saved by grace. So look at verse 37. This isn't a message. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Like we're receiving what you say, what do we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. I think we forget those steps. Step one, it says repent of your sins. So we, when you invite Jesus into your heart, that's a free gift, okay? Let me rephrase that, that's grace. Jesus died for every past sin, present sin, future sin, forever. So that means when I mess up tomorrow, I'm still forgiven. Grace completely covers me. But my job is to turn from that. If I keep facing my sin and I just do what I wanna do and I don't face the Holy Spirit and have fellowship with, me, with him and there's no transformation, what good is that for all the people in my life that I have the ability and capability of taking me to have, to have taken to heaven with me. Like if you're a parent, at least do this for your children, the very least. Repent does not mean, I used to think it was this like heavy, holy word meaning repent or you'll go to hell. You know, like God holds this big stick and he's gonna hit me over the head every time I do wrong, right? No, repent literally means to change one's mind, to turn in the opposite direction. So instead of thinking of turning from that sin that's tripping me up, I'm just gonna have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I'm just gonna spend time with Jesus. I'm just gonna face God. I'm not gonna worry about that other stuff. And when I mess up and do those things again, I'm gonna, I, visit, I do this. I say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means I'm in right standing, even though I'm doing this right now. And guess what? That begins to take, you say that enough, that takes away the desire of what you were doing. It'll kill the mood, the desire really quick of whatever that activity is you're taking, you're partaking in. Why? Because I want a heart that pleases God. So we repent of your sins, which means just turn to God, do a 180, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. I think this is a very important piece that people miss, the importance of water baptism. We do not water baptize to check a box. We're not in competition with other churches on how many people we can get baptized. The purpose of water baptism is so important that Jesus himself was water baptized and he knew no sin. And if you read the scripture, go back and read this. It says that when Jesus came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Turn from your sin, be baptized, then you'll receive the gift then once I have that gift, I'm in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You see the steps?
I was christened as a baby in the Methodist church. So I was, we, called that, we called that baptism. I was water baptized when I was four years old at vacation Bible school in the Baptist church. But when I became an adult and I, I, I knew and had that commitment to follow Jesus, which by the way, let's pause that for a second. Never in the Bible did Jesus say the sinner's prayer with someone for them to be saved. Now we do that because Romans says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. We do that for your sake. So you know that you've made that commitment. There's nothing wrong with that. Now I will do that in a minute, but Jesus never did that. What did he say? He said two words. Do y'all know those two words? Follow me. It was an action. Come follow me. He didn't say, you better stop doing this and this and this and this. No, he said, come follow me. Because he knew fellowship with him is what changes people, which causes transformation. It changes people from the inside out. So when I made that commitment as an adult, I was baptized again. I wanted to make sure I was following the example of Jesus. It's so important. There's something spiritual about going in the water and coming out. Now, we're not having water baptism today because I never want it to be a thing where we're pressuring you. I want to give you time to go search it out for yourself, the importance of it. We are having water baptism the weekend after Easter, April 24th. If you haven't made that commitment as an adult, or maybe you've even lived a life, maybe you have been baptized, but you've, you've gone back and you've gone to the, the former ways of living and you just wanna restart, be, be baptized again. It's, a, it's more of a sign for you saying, God, I commit myself to you. Amen, it's a public declaration of your faith then you'll receive. So again, step one is salvation. It's a gift. Step two is justification. That's God's part. Justification means just as if you never sin. It's a gift. But step three, that transformation part, that's ours and God's part together. It doesn't happen without us. We have to have the will to do that, to turn towards God, to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I just pray that you have a promise in your word that your words would not return void. So Lord, I pray that it will go out and will be planted in each person's heart, Lord, and that it will produce a harvest, God, that they will not leave here the same. While we're still praying, if, you'll just, if everybody will just stand with me in prayer. If there's anyone here, heads bowed, because I don't want to embarrass anyone. I'm not gonna call you up to the front, but there's anyone here, you, you, you may say, you know, Pastor Kelly, that's a great message, but I have not even made that first step. And salvation's a gift. You wanna make that first step. And you're just saying, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. I'm not gonna try to figure it out in my head what it looks like. I'm not gonna figure out what I have to give up. I'm just gonna follow, I'm just gonna follow you and fall in love with you every day. If you wanna make that commitment, or maybe you have before, but you've fallen away and you wanna, you wanna make that commitment again. If you'll just slip your hand up, cause I just wanna see who I'm praying for. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. So many hands are going up. Thank you. Can I just tell you when you do that, there's a party in heaven, a party. Like with silly string. Let's all pray together. I want everyone to repeat after me, heavenly father, you said in your word that if I call on your name, that I will be saved. So I call on your name, Jesus. I say, be the Lord of my life. 
Today, I commit to following you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for the free gift. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this message, we want to encourage you to subscribe and also share it on social media. You can always jump over to our website, myhighpointchurch.com. Click the giving link. What that does is it helps us to continue to share the message of Jesus Christ across the world. God bless you and remember, you can do all things through Christ.